When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang On The Holy Land, Langrant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Dooley. And, Josh, we got a, a real exciting game for the people this week as Ohio State continues their Big Ten schedule with the, the, the dreaded Rutgers Scarlet Knights as we head into Week 5. Um, how excited are you for this one? I'm sure this has been circled on your calendar for quite some time now. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I don't know what my hopes are for the game, but I do like Greg Schiano. I know he's going to be cooking something up in the lab. And unfortunately, I won't be able to watch this game live. I'll have to catch it on DVR. I'm going to travel for work, but I will catch up. I will watch it Saturday evening, and I anticipate uh, watching a big-time Ohio State victory, but TBD, right? Yeah, pretty pretty selfish of Josh to have to do his real job instead of watch the Buckeyes. I can't believe he's done this. Uh, but nonetheless, we will, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out in terms of post-game stuff. And Josh will he'll watch the game eventually, so it won't be a huge deal. But nonetheless, um, before we get into that that exciting Rutgers roster, um, we do have some some presser news and notes for you guys this week. Um, we heard from both Ryan Day and Tim Bolton that the the early part of this week um, got some injury updates and some other little tidbits here and there. But just to start out with injury stuff um, on, on Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ryan Day said they're not going to put a timetable on it. Um, he said he's frustrated, but you know, well, J- he's frustrated being JSN, not Ryan Day. He's not frustrated with with JSN's injury, but he said they're not as as far away as we think. Um, you know, looking at Ohio State's schedule here, they have Rutgers coming up, then they go to Michigan State, and then they have the bye week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they hold them out until they come off that bye week. They come off, uh, you know, against Iowa that next week at home. Um, and I know, you know, Michigan State on the road is not exactly, you know, a gimme win. I mean, they're the way they've been playing right now, they are, but they're still a, a better team than most that Ohio State's played thus far. But I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they hold them out that long. You know, the offense has been clicking without him, and obviously he's a, you know, he's a very essential piece to this team. He's one of the best wide receivers in the country. But you really, if you're going to make a like significant playoff run you need him for the later part of the schedule rather than right now so I don't see any reason to risk him against Rutgers um, if they want to bring him back against Michigan State even in a limited capacity if he is feeling 100% then yeah but I am I'm perfectly fine with holding him out until he's like 110% healthy because they're going to need him down the stretch if they're you know really in the hunt yeah I tend to lean that way as well but you know that being said selfishly I'd like to see him out there as soon as he's 100%, but I'd really like to see him get his legs underneath him, right? He has not played much, if any, football this year. You know, 36 snaps or something like that, I think I saw. So limited action, limited exposure. Uh, probably has not taken many hits uh, outside of the one that really dinged him up. But um, I'd like to see him get get in- integrated, sorry, into the offense um, sooner than later, Definitely before Iowa, just because we know what that secondary is like. and We know what that defense is like as Ohio State fans. But you do want him to be 100%. And the way that these other guys have been playing, it's not the most pressing need in the world. Uh, If he played cornerback, I'd say let's get him out there at 90%. But 
the wide receivers have been great. The running game has been great. CJ Stroud, top notch. So they're going to do the right thing by him. You know he wants to get out there. He was, you know, probably the Bolitnikov front runner probably coming into the season. So um, it's got to be frustrating for him. But with these soft tissue and the hammy injuries, they're just they're so unique. No, no two are the same, and they they can linger. And what they don't want to do is reaggravate it anymore. I assume that that happened a little bit against Toledo, although Ryan Day said no regrets there. Um, so hopefully they get him out there soon. And if not, I believe that those other guys will continue to replace his production and ball out. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's interesting you bring up, you know, integrating him back into the offense, because one of the other things Ryan Day brought up in his press conference this week is that, you know, much of the game plan heading into that week one game against Notre Dame was centered around Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, and, and it makes sense to think about because he was one of, you know, you lost Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He's your most proven wide receiver commodity coming back. He's the guy with the most proven, you know, track record working with CJ Stroud. So, to you know, to get the offense rolling, it made sense to have a game plan that was heavy on the JSN. But at the same time, you know, it makes sense why they struggled in that game. I don't love the idea of kind of centering an offense around one player because when stuff like this does happen, then it throws a, an entire wrench in the program. And I think Ohio State struggled on offense more than they should have against Notre Dame. I think that, you know, Notre Dame's defense was okay, but I think it had Ohio State come into that game knowing they'd be without Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think that they would have had a much better offensive performance. And maybe we'd feel even better about the the offense than we do now, even though, you know, things are certainly looking pretty good for the offense right now, even without him. But nonetheless, I think that that first game gave us a little bit of hesitation when it came to the offense without those two big wide receivers back there. But I I am, that was an interesting thing he brought up. I was surprised that he would kind of, you know, admit that and say how much they, they game plan around having JSN in that first game. And it makes sense why we saw what we did in that week one game. And I wonder how much of that was coach speak because going into week one, I imagine that Ryan Day's thought process was, here is the person or here is the sort of aspect of the game that we have the most confidence in. And that had to have been JSN going into week one. So how heavily they plan to feature him, I don't know. You know, we're, we don't have we're, we're not behind the scenes. We don't know the inner workings. And so, yes, I imagine they wanted to feature him. But at the same time, what Ryan Day had to say today, um, I'm sure he was caught off guard. But, you know, I, I don't think that they were going to try and get JSN the ball 20 times. You know, um, he probably, based on what we saw last year, had some questions about the running game. I feel like those were answered pretty early on. So that probably put Ryan Day's mind at ease a little bit. And the other guys stepped up rather quickly when they needed to. So and, and at the end of the day, look, they've got Cade Stover now. So really, JSN can take all the time he wants because they might have a new wide receiver one, right? Absolutely. Cade Stower for Heisman. Everyone's saying it. Uh, but no, nonetheless, you know, that, that was, that's interesting. Obviously, we, we're, we're interested to see when JSN will return. It, I, I doubt it'll be this week, but who knows at this point they're being very, um, you know, very nonchalant with his injury news and, and whatnot. But they're in terms being of, cagey. Yes, very they're cagey. Being, that's a, uh, intentionally cagey i love that word yes yeah, a very good word for it i mean it makes sense you know you want teams to have to still prepare for him even if you know that he's probably not going to play so they're not going to come right out and say he's not playing but i would be surprised if we saw him this weekend against rutgers um in terms of other injury news you know both ryan day and tim walton talked about kind of the, the cornerback depth um you know ryan day speaking about denzel burke and cam brown kind of said they're hoping to have both of them back this week uh but jordan hancock is still a bit further out um, Tim Walton himself said that they won't really know the health of the corners until closer to the weekend um, and that they, you know, they had big expe- expectations for Jordan Hancock, but you can't really control the injuries and what he's dealing with right now. So hopefully he's back 
sooner than later, but it sounds like he's still a bit away. Um, they did talk up, Tim Walton himself talked up the performances of both J.K. Johnson and Jair Brown. Obviously, the two of them, you know, started for the first time this past week with both of those corners out. He said they've both, you know, been guys who have practiced very well this offseason. They've gotten a ton of reps this offseason. So he's likely to seen from those guys, but it doesn't really sound like we have a clear picture um, of what that cornerback room is going to look like this weekend. Walton did bring up uh, Cam Martinez and Tanner McAllister as two guys who could play corner if, you know, injuries continue and things get really dire there because, you know, we're already down to, you know, three, four at most scholarship cornerbacks healthy for these games at this point. But it doesn't sound like we'll have, you know, a very good indication of what to expect from those guys heading into this week. Once again, I don't know if they're going to need their top end guys against an offense like Rutgers, but nonetheless, you'd like to have those guys out there continuing to get reps, especially because they both, you know, struggled a bit early on in the year. In my mind, this is probably the last game that Ohio State can, I don't know, afford to sit anybody who is less than 100%. I think that Rutgers does not pose a great threat passing the ball, whereas once you start to look a little bit further down the road, Michigan State, I get it. They're 2-2. Two and two. Peyton Thorne has been inconsistent and a couple good running backs, so they can do some things on offense. So if you've got a guy like Denzel Burke dealing with the hand injury, Cam Brown dealing with whatever he has going on, this is probably the week that you want to exercise additional caution. Same thing goes with JSN. You know, We'll get to Rutgers. I don't want to you know, trash them or anything like that or speak ill of them, um, but it is what it is, right? The spread's 40 points for a reason, so... I think that if Denzel Burke and Cam Brown especially are close, but maybe on the the fence, I think we see them sit. We get more of J.K. Johnson and Jair Brown, which I'm okay with. Um, Rutgers has some guys that we'll get to, but again, the the rest of the secondary, I believe, can support them. I talked about it in uh, the piece I had that went up today. Tanner McAllister especially, when I was at the game Saturday, Every single play, it seemed like pre-snap, he was in the ear of either Jair Brown or J.K. Johnson, making sure that those guys understood the assignment, understood the coverage, this, that, and the other. So he's going to help the young guys, but at some point they will need the additional experience. And heck, they're just going to need the bodies, I think, beginning next week. So hopefully, you know, we get that thing rolling because similar to JSN, you want to get those guys acclimated to the game before they go up against a Jaden Reed or you know Penn State down the road, whoever it is. You want to get those guys back, used to coverage, used to tackling, things of that nature. And um, but, I, but at the end of the day, I don't think that we will see either one of those guys this week, as in, um, I'm sorry, Cam Brown or Denzel Burke. I, I think if they're 99%, they sit. If they're 100%, great. I think we see them. But no need to get crazy here against a team in Rutgers that likes to run the ball more so than anything. Yeah, and, and speaking of, you know, having bodies in the secondary and, you know, this being really the last chance for Ohio State to maybe test out some things that they wouldn't get to do in your average game, um, the last bit of, of news I took in this press conference from Tim Walton um, was him how much he talked up uh, Sonny Styles, just him proving himself in practice every day. He said how, how mature he is for his age, showing he can handle things at this level despite, you know, should be playing his senior year of, of football. Um, and it, it seems like things are, 
there's great things coming out about him. So I'm interested to see if this is another week where, you know, we saw very limited against Wisconsin, but he did get some, you know, first half snaps. I'm wondering if we see that again this week against a team like Rutgers. They're not exactly, you know, a run heavy or a pass heavy team. They are pretty balanced on offense, but I'm interested to see if they have any packages that include Sonny Styles early on in the game before garbage time, because I do think that he's making a pretty significant impression on this coaching staff, kind of as we expected him to, you know, all the hype around him in the recruiting process. We kind of expect to see at least a little bit of him this year, and it seems like that is at least starting to come to fruition, and I'm interested to see how much he does play against Rutgers before you know the game is well in hand. Play him. I think he's earned it. He stood out in limited snaps against Wisconsin, and it's sort of funny to hear Tim Walton speak so well. It's not funny to speak, hear him speak so highly of Sonny Styles, but for him to still kind of reference him as one of the DBs, Yes, I know he's listed as a safety, but he was essentially the third linebacker on the field against Wisconsin. He's 6'4", 220, whatever he's up to right now. So if we do see him on the field, I think it could be more in the box up towards the line of scrimmage playing, I guess call it a box safety. But in my opinion, he looked like a linebacker out there. Call it what you will. He plays a hybrid position, it seems like. I I would not be surprised if he gets some serious run against these Scarlet Knights. Yeah, especially too. You know, we I I, I skipped over an accident, but like, um, Lathan Ransom didn't didn't play last week, and Ryan Day said they're expecting to have him available. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't play against Wisconsin, but you not b- despite not being on the the status report, it's not like he was a game time decision or listed as out. He just didn't play in the game. I didn't know if it was you know injury related or just substitution related. We've talked about how they've kind of been rotating those guys at safety between Proctor and Ransom, but it was all Proctor this past Saturday. So I'm interested to see that if you know if Ransom is has to miss another game, maybe that's where Sonny Styles fits in. Maybe he's in that rotation with Josh Proctor because I do think that you know Proctor is obviously shown flashes and I do think he's very good but I think he's kind of a a victim of the fact that Ohio State has when healthy you know kind of five guys they're rotating at the three safety spots between you know Proctor Ransom McAllister um, and then Cam Martinez has played a little bit and you know it's and uh, and Ronnie Hickman so five guys ahead of him all with a bunch of experience doesn't help his case but it would be nice to see him playing a bit more especially if he is in sort of a unique role as kind of a in the box safety I'll be interested to see if we see more of that but I do think that the you know the ransom thing is kind of odd I didn't re- I didn't know why he didn't play last week I guess it's an injury thing but they haven't really specified um, so I'm interested to see if they play him this week as well because there wasn't any like the other guys at least like we've seen get banged up a little bit or at least have signs of injury there hasn't really been any of that with Lathan Ransom and bad job by me I do not recall seeing him on the field pregame Saturday, so I don't know if he warmed up at all. It took until about the second quarter where I was like, hey, where the heck is Lathan Ransom? But they're almost heading towards a situation where the five safeties are the only you know DBs on the field. And the funny thing is, I, I might be okay with it. If they were forced into a situation where Kim Martinez and Tanner McAllister are playing outside corner, I know that's not their given position, but against a team like Rutgers, If that were to come to fruition, I actually think they'd be okay because these Ohio State safeties have all played well in spurts. Josh Proctor really turned it around after the Notre Dame game. So you have to feel good about the depth of the secondary, I would say, in totality. It's just what position do they play? And those are the question marks because corner is clearly banged up. But you also have to feel a little bit better about those guys, even though they weren't tested Against Wisconsin, J.K. Johnson and J.R. Brown did hold their own when they needed to. Um, so all in all, I, I feel okay about that that part of the team. But again, it goes back to Janice and Denzel Burke, Cam Brown. You, you'd rather have those guys out there than not. 
Yeah, absolutely. You want these guys, your front end guys, to get as many reps as possible, even if, you know, especially if they're struggling, I would say, just to make sure they, they round back into form. And if not, you know who you have that could step up behind them. But, you know, nonetheless, it's still, you know, it's working out well, I guess, for these guys behind them. You know, J.K. Johnson and Jair Brown probably wouldn't have played as much without these injuries. And now they're getting very valuable game reps. So maybe those guys could prove to be big factors moving forward, especially if the guys in front of them are, you know, more injured than we think or just not performing. It gives you more options back there. And it is very funny to think about, you know, how last year's safety was such an issue for Ohio State and now you have a you know you're, you're putting out hypotheticals that you could have five safeties out there and all five of them have really played well mm-hmm. this year so a very interesting dynamic there but I think that's you know we kind of know what we're expecting from from the Ohio State roster um, on any given week let's talk about those Rutgers Scarlet Knights um, heading into week let's five uh, so far you know not not too bad for Rutgers they navigated their non-conference schedule unbeaten uh, they won a close game against Boston College in the opener, a 22-21 affair. They beat up on Wagner and FCS School 66-7. And then they won another close game against Temple 16-14. Uh, both those BC and Temple games were on the road, so big road wins for Rutgers. But then they returned back home to begin their Big Ten schedule against Iowa, lost a 27-10 affair against the Hawkeyes, really got doomed in that game by turnovers. Iowa returned both an interception and a fumble for touchdowns, which they are wont to do. Um, it put Rutgers in an early 14-3 hole that they couldn't really climb out of against that tough Iowa defense. Um, in that game, uh, Rutgers started quarterback Evan Simon, who we're going to talk about a little bit. He was starting in place of an injured Gavin Wimsat. Didn't have a terrible game statistically. He did throw for 300 yards and a touchdown, but he only completed uh, 28 of his whopping 49 pass attempts with two picks. Um, it didn't help him that his team couldn't run the ball even a little bit. They had 24 carries for just 61 yards, a 2.5 yard per carry. Um, on the other side of the ball, defensively, Rutgers did a pretty good job, all things considered. I mean, they only allowed 13 points on defense with the others coming on, on turnovers. Um, they held Iowa under 150 yards passing and rushing. Uh, the Hawkeyes were just one of nine on third down. The, uh, Rutgers actually outgained them 361 to 277 as a team, but once again, those turnovers uh, proved kind of deadly. So, you know, an up and down start to the season for Rutgers. They've had some close calls against some not great teams. But, you know, then again, it, these are probably teams that Rutgers would have lost to in the past. So I still think that all that being said, you know, Greg Schiano is doing you know a pretty solid job in his second stint here at Rutgers. Yeah, all hail the fighting Shianos, right? The former Ohio State defensive coordinator has his guys competing, which should come as no surprise to anybody. You know, if you saw him in his previous stop at Rutgers and here at Ohio State, he's a good coach. I think he gets the most out of his guys. He is using his go-to recipe, right, of running the ball, time of possession, and really tough hard-nosed defense. And it it certainly was working when they opened the season 3-0, but like many of the other teams in the Big Ten, they did not play a difficult non-con schedule, and the lion's share of their offense really did come against Wagner. I know Simon threw for 300 against Iowa, uh, but through three weeks, I think the stats were quite skewed by that Wagner game. The Boston College win was nice against another former Ohio State coach and Jeff Halfley. A real shock to the system, I would say, playing against Iowa, a big step up in competition, and they're probably due for another Shock to the system in this matchup with the Buckeyes, but I do like Shiano. I hope that they can find six or seven wins out there because, I'm, like I said, I believe that he's a good coach. He has done good things at this Rutgers program before. It's just going to take some time to build the program back up after what Chris Ash did. Yet another Ohio State uh, coach who has, has come up early in this podcast, but they were really down and out for uh, up until 2019. Shiano has started to turn the corner a little bit, but all in all, I think they're really going to have their work cut out for them this week and really even remaining competitive. 
Yeah, and you touched on it. You know, this is technically, you know, year 14 for Shiano at Rutgers, but it's his third year in his second stint with the program. He had previously led the Scarlet Knights from 2001 to 2011 before returning as the head coach in 2020. Technically, he got them to a bowl game in 2021, despite only coming up with five wins. Um, they did replace Texas A&M because of COVID issues, and they lost 38-10 to to Wake Forest in that bowl game. But, you know, like we said, Rutgers at least appears to be moving in the right direction under Greg Schiano. I don't think they're quite at the level yet to really compete in the Big Ten, um, but the players do seem to be buying into what Schiano is doing there. I think they still could do a better job of, you know, increasing their in-state recruiting to further improve the program. But all in all, I do think that this is a much better, yeah, you know, you brought up Chris Ash. The, the program under him was a complete disaster. Disaster, and I wouldn't say it's it's quite that right now. I think they at least have it, you know, an identity, and they're moving away from that. But it is going to take quite some time to, to build back from a team that was winning, you know, two or three games on any given year. They just don't have the talent to compete with the likes of the, you know, the Penn States, the Ohio States, the Michigans just yet, or even really. Gee, the yeah, pack. let me let, let me interrupt there real quick while you're bringing up some of their opponents, and I know you want to get to the either the offense or defense, carte blanche, go wherever you want. But before that, if Rutgers played in the Big Ten West. Do you think that they would be a competitor for the Big Ten, Big Ten West title? I don't know if they'd compete for the Big Ten West title, but they'd certainly win more games. I mean the the bottom yeah. half the bottom half of the Big Ten East isn't good. You know, like Indiana for whatever their record is, I, they might be undefeated still or three and one. They're not a very good football team. Um, you know, teams like Maryland are on the up and up, but they you know they have their issues as well. But I, I do think the bottom half of the Big Ten West, or even the middle bottom to middle, or even the top at sometimes is, is more winnable games. And a team like Rutgers, what doesn't quite have the talent. I think that there's some really bad coaches in the bottom half of the Big Ten West, especially that Greg Schiano could probably outcoach to some wins even when he's at maybe a talent disadvantage. So I do think they'd have a much better time competing in the West. And I do think that Rutgers is one of the teams that might, you know, get a better draw if when the if and when the Big Ten does decide to get rid of divisions entirely. And I and I think it's it's twofold. I probably should have brought this up when I asked the question. Yes, right now I don't think that they would compete with a Minnesota or whomever for the Big Ten West title, but had they been on that side of the ledger and recruits looked at it as a situation like, hey, you know, Rutgers is in the West or they're, they're going to get going up against teams A, B and C. Maybe the recruiting the last couple of years would have been just a little bit better. And that's where I think in that sort of fake scenario that I'm painting here, perhaps they could have been competitive. But in the East, even if it's a, a New York kid, a New Jersey kid, they Rutgers means something to them. They have to look at the Big Ten East and they're like, man, this thing is a gauntlet, you know. So I, I think there are many things working against them. But one thing they have in their favor is clearly Greg Schiano. Yeah, and you know if they can get that recruiting rolling, New Jersey is a, a state with a bunch of of good football talent, and even right in their immediate area, you know, a place like Maryland has a ton of football talent as well. So if if Greg Schiano could really get their recruiting train rolling, maybe get some better assistance in there with him, I, I think that they could put together at least a competent team to compete in the Big Ten. Um, like I said, I, I don't think they're ever going to maybe be at the level of the the top three or four in the Big Ten as a whole, but I do think that they could be a competitive team. I don't think there's anything stopping them from being you know better than a team like an Indiana or even like an Illinois, even they're a little bit better now, but I, I think there's nothing stopping them from being a middle of the pack team if they could get everything going at once. Looking at this year's team, we could start on offense. Um, Rutgers is already on their third quarterback through four games this season. 
Uh, Noah Vidral was expected to start the year, but he has yet to take the field with an undisclosed injury. Uh, Gavin Wimsat, who they're very high on, a big-name recruit, started the season in his place, but he's been out since getting injured in Week 3 versus Temple. So now it's down to Evan Simon, who, you know, last time out started against Iowa. We just talked about him. Um, he's performed admirably overall in the year. He's 55 of 89 passing, so a little under 62%. Uh, 556 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, seeing time in all four of the games at some point. Unclear of the quarterback status going into the Ohio State game. It does appear Simon will start again, but both Vidral and Wimsat dressed against Iowa. But Greg Shiano said they were both only available in an emergency situation. I don't know if that has improved. I imagine we'll see Simon in this game. You know, Wimsat is probably the guy on the team with the highest upside, but he was seen in a walking boot last week, so I don't imagine he'll be playing. Um, so a, a tough quarterback situation right now for what they thought would be a strength coming into the season, coming off a couple of, of bad quarterbacks. Previously, I thought Wimsett had a chance to do some things, but hasn't really had a chance to play so far. Um, running back room has been by committee thus far for Rutgers. They've got three backs with over 130 yards on the year. That group's been led by Kyle Manungai, uh, 157 yards on just, but he's only got 3.7 yards per carry this year with two scores. He's kind of their their addition of Mayan Williams, like a, a store brand Mayan Williams. He's five foot nine, 200 pounds. Um, <laughs> store brand. Yeah, that, that's kind of what they got going over there. He's definitely not the type of caliber player of Mayan Williams, but he's built kind of similar as a, as a shorter, stockier back. Um, Al Shadi Salam has actually been their most efficient runner. He's got 145 yards on 5.8 carry, uh, yards per carry this year with two scores as well. All three of the running backs, I believe, have two scores on the year. Um, in the wide receiver room, Rutgers attempted to rebuild its wide receiver room through the transfer portal. Um, last year's top receiver, Bo Melton, left for the NFL, so this year's top gun is former Wisconsin transfer Aaron Cruikshank. He was with the team last season, leads the core with 18 catches for 156 yards and two touchdowns. No other receiver on the team has more than eight catches this year, which is concerning. Uh, the only other receiver on the team with over 100 yards is Shameen Jones, uh, who has eight catches for 101 yards. The two guys they brought in, Taj Ryan from Syracuse and Sean Ryan from uh, from West Virginia, haven't done much to this point. They have a combined six catches for 185 yards. Um, honestly, offensively, one of the team's best weapons is Johnny Langan. He's a converted quarterback who's now a tight end. He also does some stuff in the Wildcat for them. His 206 total yards from scrimmage lead the team. He's got 120 yards rushing to go with 86 yards receiving, so a very versatile weapon. A guy that I believe played some quarterback against Ohio State previously in his time yep. at Rutgers. And then just to, to round out the offense, um, almost the entire offensive line is made up of transfers. Three of the four starters are in their first year at the program. Their starting center, Island Brown, is a former BC transfer. He's in his third season now with Rutgers. And then their starting right tackle, Holland Pierce, is really the only homegrown talent of the bunch. He's six foot seven, 330 pounds, uh, New Jersey native, in his second year as a starter there. So a decent group up front, still trying to find their way as they kind of all gel on their new teams. Um, and overall, not a, a ton to really be excited about here. The quarterback situation is not ideal. Um, none of the running backs have really separated themselves from the pack, and the wide receiver room outside of Crookshank is is not a ton to be to, to really you know scare you as an opponent. No, it, it's not, Gene. This offense is certainly not um, one of the flashier, prettier ones in the Big Ten. The Scarlet Knights would probably run the ball sixty times per game if they could get away with it. The quarterback play, play is not great. I guess you could call Evan Simon a caretaker. They'll mix it up when healthy with Wimsat and Langan as runners, potentially Vidral down the road. The running game is their bread and butter. They will keep throwing guys at the opponent with six guys, not including Simon, having registered at least 11 carries through four games. So I think that the wide receivers are more talented than they will ever get a chance to show. Uh, the offense as a whole was was solid against BC, beat up on Wagner. But then listen to some of their stats from the Temple game, right? This is Temple. 10 for 17 passing for 59 yards, 
41 carries for 142 yards. Take out Langan, and they rushed 32 times for 63 yards, and then 61 against Iowa. So the stats, again, can be very skewed in by my, that Wagner game. In my expert opinion, that's not very good. It, it, it's not. And um, I think a lot, it's due to the lack of a passing attack. And look, I'm not going to get into the guys up front. I'd be lying if I wrote down a single name that starts for Rutgers on the offensive line. But again, it goes back to the original point. Greg Schiano has his work cut out for him still, even though he's been back for a couple of seasons at quarterback. I know I called Simon a decent caretaker. That's probably being generous. I mean, against Boston college and temple, all he really did was take snaps. He threw for 110 yards on 28 passing attempts in those two games combined. Now, he had the 300-yard game against Iowa on 49 attempts and also threw two interceptions. So not great, far from efficient. Wimsat is obviously the better dual threat option, but if he were to be in the game, this is a guy who went four for 12 against Wagner. And so both he and last year's starter of a draw are banged up, in my opinion, those guys are not posing much of a threat. Even if Vidral is back, he threw for seven touchdowns and seven picks last year. We saw him when Ohio State beat up on Rutgers. So they've got to get the quarterback situation figured out to be remotely dangerous, in my opinion. At running back, a lot of options to choose from. You know, you mentioned Magai. He's Mon- Manan guy. Sorry. He's their workhorse, but more of a battering ram. You mentioned his yard per carry average. I think it's sitting at 3.7 right now. Shadi Salam, a bit more explosive, averaging 5.8 yards per carry. He also has five catches to lead that room. And then Samuel Brown is the third guy. He also has two touchdowns. So I guess I'll bring up Johnny Langan here because he, in my opinion, is a quarterback, a running back, and a tight end. He is Rutgers' version of Taysom Hill, if I had to describe him, was a quarterback, shifted to tight end. You mentioned it. He's primarily used as a wildcat option. He's got the 200 or so total yards. He's thrown two passes. Look, in my opinion, there is no way in this day and age the wildcat should ever be effect, uh, effective. In, in the back of your mind, yes, you've got to say that Johnny Langham does have uh, experience as a quarterback, but if he lines up back there, Ohio State needs to have eight, nine guys focused solely on him, maybe two, three, looking at a wide receiver, looking at a read option, something like that. But I'm surprised he is still as effective as he is when the opponent knows what's going to happen. Even if he throws one of those passes, I think he had a like a 30-yard touchdown in one of their first games, two pass attempts. All right, make him throw the ball if that's what Rutgers wants to try to do. But in fairness to him, he's a good player. He's a great athlete. So I think that they'll try to lean on him in some way against Ohio State because the wide receivers, they're just not getting a lot there. Um, and so, and a lot of that is due to the wide receiver play, I think, that or the quarterback play. I think that they do have talent. Aaron Crookshank is a dangerous player. Sean Ryan was a multi-year starter at West Virginia and – You mentioned Taj Harris. He actually stepped away from the program after week one to deal with some things. I don't know exactly what they are. We obviously wish him the best. I don't know if he's ever going to come back to the team at any point. So they were counting on him. He he left after just one game. So it really comes down to Crookshank, Shameen Jones, and um, Sean Ryan, who I mentioned. Crookshank's a guy, though, 
I, I wrote about him this week. I don't know if we'll get it up because I added an extra piece, but in my opinion, he could be one of the more dangerous weapons in the Big Ten. He can run the ball. Obviously, he can catch the ball. He's a great kick returner. I think both at Wisconsin and Rutgers, he earned some all Big Ten nods as a returner. So if they can figure out a way to get the ball in his hands, I think he can be dangerous. And we've seen Ohio State struggle against, struggle a little bit against Daquan Finn, who's an athlete. The kid for Arkansas State, 5'5", but he's an athlete. He put up some yards. So if they can get creative there and get the ball in Crookshake's hands, maybe he can do some things. But this offense is just not one that I imagine will pose much of a threat to Ohio State. They can rely on that run game or that run defense much the same way they did against Wisconsin and then try to force Evan Simon to beat them. And I I don't think he has it. I don't think Wimsat has it. I don't think Johnny Langan has it. I don't think Noah Vidral has it. And um, you, you don't want to crap on that program too hard. But the quarterback position just hasn't been good for a number of years now. And I don't know that they have a guy in the room right now that is going to propel them and lead them to points. Yeah, Crookshank is a guy to me that reminds me a lot of uh, Wandale Robinson. Maybe not as talented as Robinson, but the, you know, a guy who played at Nebraska and Kentucky now in the league. He's like good, said, man. Can do can do a lot of everything. Um, we've seen. I think we've seen him before at Wisconsin before he transferred to Rutgers. But a guy that can make a lot of plays, like you said, the trouble is just getting the ball in his hands. I'd be interested. You know, if I'm Greg Schiano, I'm already down two quarterbacks. I'm on my third option in Simon. Maybe let Johnny Langan just start the game at quarterback. I mean, he's been your most explosive offensive player so far. Run a little read option and run a little Wildcat, see what your team could do. I mean, you can't go out there with the talent you have in this game and just play straight up against Ohio State. He's going to have to do some funky things. He's going to have to try some new stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of Johnny Langan back there at quarterback because he knows that his other guys just aren't going to beat you by running a traditional offense, throwing the ball, running it up the middle. It's just not going to get the job done. So I'd be interested to see if we see a lot of Johnny Langan in this game. You talked about how Ohio State struggled a bit with Daquan Finn. I don't think Johnny Langan is nearly as good of an athlete as Daquan Finn is, but nonetheless, he's a guy that you know is versatile. He can run the ball a bit. He could throw it a little bit. He hasn't had to yet this season, but he's played quarterback in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more Langan in this game, just because I think that Rutgers is going to have to create get creative to keep this game competitive, at least early on. If I were a Rutgers fan, I wouldn't be opposed to that, because look, if you want to be competitive, you're probably going to have to throw the ball downfield. We don't know if Langan can do that, but If you just want to muddy the game up and try to win the time of possession game and really just hold on to the ball, move down the field, maybe pin Ohio State deep, perhaps Lang is your option there um, as an option quarterback or a Wildcat quarterback. I think that the reason that they are going to move forward with Simon and then uh, maybe eventually Wimsat is because they have to develop somebody for the future. Even if Langan is the best Wildcat or option quarterback in the world that's not how a lot of teams win I can't really name one outside of like maybe a a service academy so yes he's arguably their most dangerous offensive player but if they have him back there at quarterback it's a little too niche in my opinion but uh, again maybe the time of possession can you know kind of tip in their favor and they keep it closer than the 40 point spread but, you know, I just don't know how they find up find a way to put up points at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. 
Um, luckily for them, at least a little bit luckily for them, nothing's really lucky when you have to go up against Ohio State after that, that Iowa game. But statistically, Rutgers' defense has been solid to begin the year. We've, you know, we've detailed that their opponents haven't exactly been the cream of the crop thus far, but they currently rank 25th in the country, allowing just 17.2 points per game. Has definitely been the stronger of their two units versus their offense. Um, uh, they don't really have a, a bunch of standout star players, but they have a lot of guys who have played really solid. And I think as a group, they've come together and played pretty well. Um, up front, defensive line has been headed by Wesley Bailey. The redshirt sophomore has led the team with five tackles for loss and two and a half sacks thus far. Um, Aaron Lewis off the other end has totaled 17 tackles with three for a loss. So decent edges up front linebacker unit. They run a four two five, So just two guys out there. Um, that unit is led by Dion Jennings uh, senior. He currently sits second on the team with 29 total tackles. And then his running mate, Tyreen Powell um, sits right behind him with 23 total tackles to go along with two sacks. Um, in the secondary, Christian Izian has been one of the team's best defenders overall. Uh, he leads Rutgers with 33 total tackles, adds two and a half tackles for loss, a one and a half sacks and a pair of pass breakups from his nickel spot. Um, at the corners, Robert Longerbeam and Max Melton have been a solid cornerback duo. Longerbeam leads the team with a pair of picks and adds a forced fumble. Melton has a pick himself as well. Also in their cornerback room, they have Kaswan Abraham, who adds experience to that room as a redshirt senior. Uh, and then safety Avery Young, if you're going to pick a star on this side of the ball, it's probably him. He's been a stalwart of the Rutgers defense for quite a while now. Uh, he started his first three seasons at Rutgers at corner, has started these last two seasons, including this one, at safety. Was second on the team last year in tackles with 77 total, and is just really a great leader of what, is put, uh, what has been a you know, pretty decent secondary. Um, another you know decent piece back there, Desmond Igbenoson. Uh, I believe that's right. Igbonison, I believe. Something like that. Sorry if I got your name wrong. Sure, sure. Sure. A lot of tough names on this Rutgers defense. Uh, He's a talented sophomore, a complimentary piece at the other safety spot. But kind of like I said, as a unit, this team's put up good numbers this this season, but hasn't exactly faced a a high-powered offense in anything near in Ohio State. Um, I think it's a very similar story to that of Wisconsin, just without kind of the same recruiting talent as Wisconsin. And we we saw how that went for them against Ohio State's offense. Um, They are currently rated the number two rushing defense in the country, allowing just 56.5 yards per game. But, you know, when you play the Iowas and, and, you know, uh, Wagners of the world, I don't expect much. Um, They're number 35 in pass defense, allowing 193 yards per game. I see it tough to see them holding Ohio State anywhere near either of those metrics. But, you know, if if Rutgers is going to remain competitive in this game, I think they are going to have to lean on their defense a little bit, which is, you know, tough to ask when you're going up against an offense that's looked as good as Ohio State's had, even without Jackson Smith and Jigba. Right, and I think similar to Wisconsin, you could even go as far as Toledo. Toledo was way up there as far as uh, defensive metrics go until they played Ohio State. So Ohio State, their offense is just a world beater right now. I don't know who can slow them down. I'm sure some teams in the Big Ten will have much better luck down the road or better luck down the road, hopefully not much better luck. This defense is the Shiano calling card, right? They're well-coached, disciplined, aggressive when it's time to be aggressive, they, uh, you know, this was almost shocking, gave up an average of just 32 yards rushing in the non-con. We've talked about their opponents, but to hold three straight teams to an average of 32 yards rushing, that's impressive. I don't care who you are or who you're playing. And then obviously Iowa put it on them just a little bit, but not too much. They have five interceptions and 15 pass breakups on the season already, a bunch of tackles for loss. So The Knights' defense is definitely their best chance to stay in and win these games. Up front, 
I like Aaron Lewis, not the lead singer of Stained, but I think he was a starter for them last year. He had 31 tackles and two and a half tackles for loss th- uh, last year. He's got three tackles for loss this year, no sacks. Um, and you mentioned Wesley Bailey leading the team with sacks. So they've got some guys up there. They've got some size at linebacker. I like both of their starting guys. They're both intriguing options, in my opinion. Deion Jennings has been the more productive one. He's just been banged up. He has been really consistent throughout his time at Rutgers, but he's missed a lot of games. Um, He's got 29 tackles, four for loss this year. And then, Gene, you know how I love long linebackers, right? That's Tyreen Powell. He's 6'5", 225, so almost like an edge type. Maybe he could play like the jack roll or something in this Ohio State offense, a little bit taller, not as beefier, but 6'5", 225 is an intriguing linebacker out there, 23 tackles and two sacks on the season. Talked about the secondary a little bit. You mentioned Avery Young. I, I do think he's a really good player, but for my money, Christian Izian is the best player on this defense, and I think he's been very consistent, similar to Aaron Cruikshank, and it's funny that I think they went to the same high school too. Um, if they played on any other team, I think they would receive a lot more notoriety or maybe they're overrated because they're, they play for Rutgers. I don't, I, I don't know, but I really do like Christian Izian. He's one of the most underrated players in the big 10, in my opinion, 245 career tackles leading the team this season. He had four picks in 2020 does not have a turnover since then, but you know, he's capable of it. You mentioned Robert Longerbeam. I called him Bobby Lightbeam. I, I just made up a nickname for him. He's got the two interceptions and 14 tackles. So they've got some depth back there. It's certainly going to be tested. And, and I think it's a much better unit than than the offense. But similar to their offense, they're just they're going up against a juggernaut, right? We saw it with Wisconsin. We thought that that game would be a lot more competitive. They have Nick Herbig. They have all the experience in the secondary. And they had no answers for the Buckeyes. I I don't know what Rutgers is going to come up with. It's not like Greg Schiano has any familiarity with at least most of this coaching staff, if any of them. You know, him and Hartline, I believe, um, kind of intersected. I don't know if he and Ryan Day were there together. I'd have to check the years. But it's a, it's Ryan Day's team now, and I don't know if Greg Schiano um, – Knows all the tricks in Coach Day's bag. So they'll have to get creative. I imagine they'll try and put some pressure up against C.J. Stroud, maybe force him into some bad decisions because Rutgers does have the five picks. But, um, yeah, it's going to be tough sledding, man. This is a tough matchup for Rutgers. I think that they'll be better down the road, especially once they get the quarterback situation figured out. And maybe this defense can keep them in the game a little bit longer. But they would have to force a bag of turnovers, I think, to really keep this one close. Yeah, I just have a tough time, even giving the metrics, even given some of the talent that's on this team, I have a tough time believing that they're going to slow down Ohio State's offense, especially from what we saw from Wisconsin. You know, I think these are two you know, similarly coached, like well-coached units, but obviously Wisconsin has the higher-end talent of the two, and Wisconsin could do really nothing against Ohio State's offense, especially in that first half. I mean, Ohio State was scoring at will. I don't see, you know, maybe Rutgers could throw some different looks their way. We saw what happened when Wisconsin tried to blitz C.J. Stroud. It did not go well for them. Um, so I imagine that if Rutgers tries that same thing, it will it will yield similar results. Um, I just think that C.J. Stroud is playing at too high a level right now. He's so calm and collected back there in the pocket that, you know, you want to blitz him. You want to try to get him off his spot. You want to try to force him into bad decisions, but he's just not doing that right now. He's staying He's, he's staying in it. He's moving around the pocket. He's finding the open man. It's just hard to defend him right now. And with the way that the running game is going along, well to complement his passing attack 
I just think it's hard for any defense in the country to slow down Ohio State's offense right now, especially, you know, with the, you know, not lack of talent. They do have some talented guys, but not the same, you know, NFL high-end talent of, of teams like Wisconsin and the like. Um, so I just don't really see them being able to do a ton defensively against Ohio State, even though this is a better unit. Maybe they put up a little bit better fight um, in this game than Wisconsin did. Maybe they come in a bit more motivated with the whole Shiano angle and, you know, Rutgers just trying to get back to some semblance of, of notoriety. But I, I just don't, if, if Wisconsin couldn't do it, I don't see how Rutgers could do it. And this one's all about C.J. Stroud for me. We know the running game is likely to be good. They've been good through four games this year. But with Stroud especially, he has been so comfortable in the pocket. And when he's forced to move out, he's keeping plays alive. He's keeping his eyes downfield. And he's found some guys really when he otherwise shouldn't have. So to beat C.J. Stroud or render him ineffective, I don't think you can speed him up a little bit. I think you would have to speed him up a lot. And I think that Wisconsin, or I thought Wisconsin would have had more luck with that and they couldn't do it. I don't see Rutgers as some big upgrade over Wisconsin. If anything, they're even when it comes to talent and scheme and all that stuff up front. They don't have a pass rusher like Nick Herbig, who was ineffective against Ohio State, but has been pretty darn good against some other teams. So, yeah, you could kind of compare the two teams, but there's really no comparison for C.J. Stroud right now on the other side. And even if he were ineffective, Travion Henderson we know is healthy. Mayan Williams we know is healthy, and we've seen some things from Dallin Hayden. So even if that passing game struggles, Ohio State has been doing it uh, really on with, with both facets of the offensive game. So that's where I think they struggle. But you know Shiano's going to have his guys prepared. This is you know, one of, if not their Super Bowls. Like I said, I hope that they'll get to a bowl game, but this is their biggest and best chance to pull off an upset. I don't think it's even remotely feasible. I I guess it's feasible, but I I certainly don't see it happening. But I I, I don't know. If Ohio State comes out flat, maybe this game is close into the second second quarter. But as the game progresses, I think Ohio State just pulls away further and further. Yeah, it's tough to really think that any game in this series is going to be close based on what's happened historically between these two teams. Um, the all time the all time series, Ohio State's won all eight of the previous meetings. The closest Rutgers has even come was a forty nine twenty seven loss, and that was in the twenty twenty season where like nothing really mattered. Um, but so you yeah, like you know we we've talked about how Shiano has his team heading in the right direction, but I just don't think they're at all ready to compete with a team like Ohio State. Um, you know, as as they've done the last few times these teams have met, I do expect the Scarlet Knights to throw a handful of trick plays the Buckeyes' way. Could give some interesting looks to this Ohio State defense. Maybe we'll learn some more about them and their ability to kind of control that sort of thing. But I'm not expecting really much of any sustained drives or just, you know, classic, you know, run, throw, run, throw. I think that if, if Rucker's going to pick up yards and points in this game, it's going to come on chunk plays. It's going to come on some of those, you know, reversals and, and different trick plays we saw mm-hmm. the last couple times these teams played. Um, like you said before, you know, the Vegas line for this game is 41 and a half for a reason. Um, I think Rutgers is going to be heavily overmatched in this one. Um, so Josh, I think we've kind of, you know, touched on everything we want to. I think we could kind of get our get our score predictions out of here and get out of here. I believe um, I went first last time on our Wisconsin preview, so I'll let you go ahead and, and take the first reins on this one. Okay, so I think that... Ohio State is barely going to cover. I think that Ohio State's defense will look really good in this game. I think they're coming off um, not only a confidence builder against Wisconsin with their run game, but I think it also might be eating away at them that Braylon Allen broke the long touchdown and 
approached 100 yards before then. I think that they're really going to be dialed in on that Rutgers run game. They're going to force Simon to try and do some things. I don't believe that he can. And I, I probably won't watch the game live, so that gives me even more reason to believe that maybe Ohio State causes a couple turnovers. They have a defensive touchdown, something like that. Give me 52-10 to 10 on Saturday. Man, we are we are on a wavelength here on this podcast. Every like time. A- our last few have been really close. Uh, I had thought about just clickbaiting the hell out of this podcast and predicting a Rutgers win, but I'm obviously not going to do that. I have written down here, I did not talk to Josh prior to this, my final score prediction was 56-10 to 10, um, Ohio wow. State. So we are within four points of each other on Ohio State's total. We both have Rutgers scoring 10 points. Uh, I don't know, Josh, if you felt the same way as me. It would probably come on some kind of chunk play or something like that. I don't expect them to kind of just bully Ohio State down yeah. the field. I don't know if they're capable of doing something like that. But, yeah, I mean, we both expect Ohio State to win big here. We both have them covered. Covering uh, me by a little bit more than Josh, but both of us have them covering the 41.5 point spread, which is a, a pretty ridiculous spread for a game between two Big Ten teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we said. We just don't know if they're going to be able to do anything. Their quarterback situation isn't figured out on offense. And then defensively, it's a lot of you know the same kind of stuff we talked about with Wisconsin. And Wisconsin probably has a better better athletes on their side, and they couldn't get the job done even remotely close. So I think all of that comes into play here. Ohio State keeps on rolling. Um, maybe they they look a little flat, like Josh said, coming into the first quarter. Just you know, it, it's a game against Rutgers. It's not under the lights. So maybe there's a little bit of that going on, but. I don't, I don't see this game being competitive after the first half. I'm expecting, you know, we've had some issues here with Ryan Day keeping the stars in for a bit too long. I'm hoping we don't see much of the stars, and you know, middle of the third quarter and on. Um, if we do, then either, you know, Ryan Day has gone mad or we're having severe issues on the field. But nonetheless, expecting a big Ohio State win, and hopefully we'll have, a, you know, a lot of, of positives to take away from this come Sunday. Absolutely. And just speaking to the starters remaining in the game, I'm with you. I think maybe third quarter we start to see them come out, provided Ohio State's playing well, and I think that they will. I have no concerns about a letdown, if you can call it that. You know, uh, Wisconsin was supposed to be a big matchup. It wasn't a big night game. The atmosphere was great. And those afternoon games, they can you know sneak up on you a little bit. But the way that Ryan Day has his guys going right now, I think the focus is super high. And I think they're going to come out and ball out Saturday. Yeah, you do have a little bit of concern, I guess, with the sandwich spot between Wisconsin and Michigan State. But neither of those teams are quite what we thought they were coming into the season. And plus, like you said, Ryan Day just has his team incredibly focused. They know they've had letdowns in the past. They can't afford one, especially with all of the upsets we've already seen from other teams this year. They know that every game they have to take serious and they can't afford a, a game where they're not at, at coming in at 100% effort. So... That being said, um, we will be back for you in, in some combination this weekend um, to to recap what happens in the Rutgers game. Uh, be sure to check out all of our written content over at LandGrantHoyland.com to get prepared for this weekend's game and as well as basketball and recruiting and all the other stuff. Um, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff podcast asks you to do. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross. And as always, go Bucks.